Amen. Amen. Is this on? I think it's on. Good. Morning. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, we're, we are continuing our um, theme of whole life worship. And um, we're going to watch the video that we watched at the very start. The guys at the back are going to queue it up, play it nice and loud, um, so that we kind of get to see it again. I'm going to stand this way. Forgive us, Lord, for the words we speak that cause fear, exclude others, twist the truth, diminish, divide, and destroy. Words that roar, words that clang like cymbals but bring no clarity. Words that make us sound powerful but are void of love. Teach us your words of healing and hope, thankfulness and grace, justice and truth. Wisdom and love, forgiveness and blessing. Let our words be your words. Touch our mouths with your coal and purify our speech. Teach us a new language when we are gathered. When we are scattered, let our language breathe heaven into the lives of those we meet. So worshipping inspires our everyday speech. Well, I want to have a bit of a quiz first of all. There's no prizes, although there are some nice biscuits at the back, so maybe I'll let you go there first if you get the three questions right. Who can remember the title or the theme of our first Whole Life Worship series session? And this was done like three months ago, so if you, if you can remember, it's good you've got good memory. Worshipping engages our everyday lives. Maggie, first biscuit for you, full of sugar, no doubt. You may gift it if you wish. Oh, that's fine. Good. So one of the, one of the quotes, I had, I had a little watch of all the videos this week. I really like the videos. And um, one of the phrases that came out of the, the video is that we should teach, clean, cook in his name. Uh, cook, care, speak in his name. The idea is that everything that we do we do it to honour God, whether it is cooking, cleaning, doing the washing up, doing the gardening, whether it's going out to work, whether it's um, doing the housework, whatever it might be that we're doing, whether we're visiting people who are sick, we do it as worship to God and in his name. So well done to Maggie for the first one. Okay, the second one, the second week. No cheating, Caroline. She's got a phone out, she's got a little look. <laughs> that's good. I like that. It's very good. <clears throat> um, anybody remember the second week? It, do you know, I was just about to put these on and go, this is the clue for you. Uh, worshipping, worshipping offers us fresh insight. Yeah, but yeah, about, yeah. Um, so I, as I wrote down, so remember looking through the lenses, many things that are shouting for our attention, yet we're called to listen for that still small voice that cuts through the storm and have our focus and attention on, on Jesus. Okay, who can remember the last one that we did? Dave's got the book in front of him. <laughs> 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 so 
So the phrase is, worshipping transforms our everyday, ordinary actions. We did. We did make I've, hundreds of photos I've got of plasters, you know, Play-Doh and things that we, we shaped and moulded. And that it, it affects every single thing that we do. So it kind of links to the last one, really, about... Um, or the first one about how it engages our whole lives. It links into everything that we do and that we should... Um, we would want to uh, have worship in everything that we do. And sometimes we think it's the mundane things. We think I'm just typing at a keyboard uh, or I'm just selling a mobile phone. But actually that action can be our worship to God. Um, so this video that we watched again today, um, worshipping inspires our everyday speech. It finished with this phrase, and I'm going to say this at the start, and I'm going to say this at the end, so when I say it again, you know I'm done. Um, <clears throat> it says this phrase, teach us a new language when we are gathered, so that when we are scattered, our lang let our language breathe heaven into the lives of those we meet. I'll repeat it, but this isn't the second time I say it. Teach us a new language when we are gathered. When we are scattered, let our language breathe heaven into the lives of those we meet. Today, we're really thinking about um, how the condition of our heart can affect the way that we take God into the rest of the week. Um, I don't have loads of notes, you'll be pleased to know, which means I shouldn't talk for a very long time. What I do want to do is just share what the Bible says. Um, and so um, I'm just going to jump around I'll tell you where they're found if you're making notes. Don't feel you have to look them up. Hopefully they'll appear on the screen behind us. Um, or behind me, not you, because that would be over there. Um, so really, so I want to just start with this, this verse in Proverbs. Proverbs 15, 28 says, Lovers of God think before they speak. I need to keep my arms still, clearly, because it's this wonderful cable. Maybe not. No, it's not doing anything. I don't know. Let me say it again. Lovers of God think before they speak. But the careless blurt out words meant to cause harm. Lovers of God think before they speak that the careless blurt out words caused to, meant to mean harm. Um, just, Alex, mute this mic and we'll, I'll switch. Hopefully that's a bit better. Hey! The other one was very tinny as well. Now I have a nice deep booming voice, like James Earl Jones, Luke, I am your father. <coughs> Lovers of God think before they speak. This is a really key thing think, for us, that people who really are in tune with God, they, are, they, they get into the habit of thinking before they speak. Careless people blurt out wicked words meant to cause harm. How often have you ever heard people just say, you're ugly, you're fat, you're smelly, whatever, anything like that? And you just, oh, you just think, as soon as you've said it, you're like, oh, I didn't mean to say that. The Bible encourages us to think before we speak. And often, often we, we tell children that you must think before you speak. But actually, as adults, we can just be as careless with our words. And so the Bible encourages all of us to really think before we speak. Lovers of God think before they speak. The careless blurt out words. Jesus said these words in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. Um, and um, I'm reading from the Passion paraphrase this morning. Um, so Luke 6, 45 says this. People are known in this same way. Out of the virtue stored in their hearts, 
good and upright people will produce good fruit. But out of the evil hidden in their hearts, evil ones will produce what is evil. For the overflow of what has been stored in your heart will be seen by your fruit and will be heard in your words. Jesus used this illustration of a, of, of a, of a, of a tree that bears fruit. And he says, um, <clears throat> he kind of tells this story of, actually, if it's, if it's an apple tree, it's not going to make oranges. That would be a very strange tree. Um, if you go to a pear tree, you're not going to be able to pick off a pineapple. You go to a pear tree to get a pear. You go to an apple tree to get an apple. And Jesus is, is using this really basic example, saying, actually, by the fruit that you produce, people will know who you are and what's in your heart. So actually, if you have spent loads of time with God and you've allowed God to permeate you and really get into every part of your life, then that's what's going to come out. That's what's going to come out to everybody else. And that's really the challenge of this morning. Our desire that when we gather together like this on a Sunday or in a connect group, or even if we just go out for coffee somewhere, that actually when we get together, when we're together with other Christians, and when we encounter the living God, we should be transformed by that encounter. We should never be the people who stay the same after a God encounter. Because God's desire is that when we encounter him, we're being more transformed like Jesus. And it's not a, a one-time transformation. We've got four people who next week, we're going to baptise them. And they're never going to get baptised with water again. I was chatting with Alex the other day, um, in fact, last night, and we were kind of saying it would be quite cool to get baptised again, just because, you know, it's been a long time. Um, and actually, it'd be quite, I'd, I'd love to be. I'd love to get baptized in this church now. That's weird because I, I don't need to be baptized again because I'm already a Christian and I've already done that. And and the Bible just says you just do it once as a as a sign to people. But um, but there is that whole bit of being with family and being with people you love, and it's a great great thing to be able to do. Um, to be able to get baptized, and it's it's a one time thing. But actually, the transformation to become like Jesus is an everyday thing for the rest of our lives, however long or short they may be. It is an everyday thing. And nobody, not a single person here or anywhere else, is going to get there before they die. They're not going to suddenly wake up and go, ta-da, I am transformed. How amazing is that? I've now got some you know, weeks, months, years, decades, whatever, to live, and I'm going to be Jesus. Actually, every one of us, we're being transformed. The it's, it's the continuous tense. It's something that happens continually, on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And Romans says this, Romans 12, verse 2, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation or reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Our, our only thing that we really need to do as we live out our lives is to be open to God and for him to come and transform us by the Holy Spirit to become more like Jesus. That is his desire for us. 
I, I would go as far as to say it supersedes God's desire for us to come together on a Sunday morning. That is the thing that he wants. He wants people who are becoming more like Jesus. Now, coming together on a Sunday is a great thing. And actually, something that happens when we come together is that we spend time in God's presence. And it's in God's presence that this transformation happens. Now, the transformation can happen when we're in God's presence at home. But if you're anything like me, when you're at home, you go, oh, I'm just going to have some time with God. And so I sit down in a nice, comfy spot on my sofa. And then all of a sudden, it's three hours later, my dinner's burnt, the fire alarm's going off, uh, and I need to open all the windows, and and I don't quite know what's going on. Because whenever I wake up, I'm in this kind of dazed expression. I don't quite know what's happened. And actually, for us... It might be that we fall, we fall asleep, we have a little doze. It might be that ding, 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 the phone goes. It might be that someone you know, knocks at the door. It, a number of things can happen and that our dis- a distraction can happen. And so from an earnest desire to spend time in God's presence, actually, it completely goes out of the window because life carries on. And so it can be really difficult sometimes to spend that time in God's presence to help that transformation work to continue. And so when we come together on a Sunday, hopefully there are less distractions. And there are less distractions because everybody else is wanting to meet with God. Everybody else is here with that one desire and purpose. And so God's, God's then saying, actually, when you come together, you're in my presence. So when you come into my presence, you're going to come with some junk from the week. You're going to come with some baggage. But you can leave it here and go away different. And you can start that transformation process. And what we're talking about today is all about um, what, what we do with our words and how being in God's presence can change the words that we then speak out. Um, I want to read quite a long passage now from James chapter 4. I make no apologies for that. Um, just just listen to this. So again, this is, this is James chapter 4. Um, and from the Passion Translation, paraphrase, it says this. What is the cause of your conflicts and quarrels with each other? So this is really thinking about the words that we speak. Doesn't the battle begin deep inside of you as you fight to have your own way and fulfill your own desires? You jealously want what others have, so you begin to see yourself as better than others. You scheme with envy and harm. You scheme with envy and harm others to selfishly obtain what you crave. That's why you quarrel and fight. All And all of the time, you don't obtain what you want because you won't ask God for it. And if you ask him, well, you won't receive it because you're asking with corrupt motives. Seeking only to fulfill your own selfish desires. Lord, give me the, lo- the winning lottery numbers because I will do so many great things after I've bought a new house and a new car. And You have become spiritual adulterers who are having an affair, an unholy relationship with the world. Don't you know that flirting with the world's values places you at odds with God? Whoever chooses to be the world's friend makes himself God's enemy. Some really harsh words there. But it's really important that we get what James is writing to some Christians. 
because I think those words apply ever more to us in today's society. So if you are seeking only to fulfill your own selfish desires, you have become spiritual adulterers who are having an affair, an unholy relationship with the world. Don't you know that flirting with the world's values places you at odds with God? Whoever chooses to be the world's friend makes himself God's enemy. He does carry on and he says this. Does the scripture mean nothing to you that says the spirit that God breathed into our hearts is a jealous lover who intensely desires to have more and more of us? Does that mean nothing to you? But God continues to pour out more and more grace upon us. For it says, God resists you when you are proud, but continually pours out grace when you are humble. I've always struggled to understand that phrase in any other translation. Um, And I just thought that was really nice. God resists you when you are proud, but continually pours out grace when you are humble. When you come to God and say, God, I just can't do this. He pours out his grace. When you come to God and go, I'm, I'm good on my own. I can do it myself. Then he's like, well, I'll just wait a while. I'll just keep your arm. I'll, I'll just wait a while until you're ready. As I was reading this, I just was really challenged by all of the words that, that it talks about there. The things that we can end up using that are really that really confirm the state of our hearts. When it talks about conflicts and quarrels and jealousy and scheming with envy and harming others and corrupt motives and fulfilling our own selfish desires, all of those things make us enemies of God. We have got to be really careful, really careful about the condition and the state of our hearts. Like I said at the start, we come into God's presence and we can come into God's presence in any number of ways. We can come into God's presence having had a fantastic week. We can come into God's presence having an absolutely rubbish week. We can come into God's presence having uh, an okay week, kind of a middly week. It doesn't matter whether we're up, middle or down or anywhere in between on the scale. When we come into God's presence... The challenge is that we leave better. It might be that you come into God's presence having had a really, a, a, a kind of a zero percent. You come into God's presence feeling completely empty and you're like, I've, I'm here. I really would rather be in bed right now or at the beach, or, but I'm here. And, and you kind of come in with, with kind of zero expectation. If you leave if you come in at 0% and you and you leave at 2% or 1%, then you've gotten better. God's desire is that you, you, you continually improve by being in his presence. Like I said, that's not just a Sunday morning thing. That, that can be a when you're at, at home thing, when you're doing the dishes thing, when you're tucking the kids to bed thing. It can be any point during the week when you have that time with God, whatever it is, that we that we we become better from being in his presence and that affects every part of our lives that verse in romans says this again stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you but be inwardly transformed by the holy spirit through a total reformation of how you think this will empower you to discern god's will and i really like this as you live a beautiful life satisfying and perfect in his eyes. 
as I was reading this, my, the question came to mind, who do we imitate? Are we trying to be imitators of Jesus? Now, I don't mean kind of walking around in a, a long white flowing robe that's seamless and maybe a good beard. I had a sh- bit of a shave this morning, so that's not me. Um, are we going around saying, bless you, bless you? Are we just trying to be Jesus to people? So when we see someone who is upset, we see someone who uh, just, you know, they look down. Do we kind of do the Pharisee thing and walk the other side of the road? Or do we go up to that person and say, how are you, how are you doing? How can I help you? Are we being Jesus to people as we see them? But more importantly from today, are we speaking the words of Jesus over those people? Or are we kind of doing the opposite? Mother Teresa said these wonderful words. And I probably have never quoted Mother Teresa before in my life. But actually, I really like this. She said these words. Words which do not give the light of Christ, increase the darkness. Let me say that again. Words which do not give the light of Christ, increase the darkness. Our words are powerful. We are created beings in the image of a God who spoke into being the entirety of creation. And with words declared his dominion over the wind and the waves, over food provision, over illnesses, even death, and over sin, when he said, it is finished. They are the powerful words of a God who who is all-powerful. And we are created in that image, and our words are powerful too. We have the power to create in other people Um, how they feel, whether we tell someone that they are hated or whether they're loved, whether that somebody is ugly or whether someone is beautiful. We have the power with our words to convey and, and we have got to really be careful in what we say. And these words stem from the condition of our hearts. We've read it in Romans about this transformation work that's going on all of the time. And like I said before, no one is fully transformed yet into being like Jesus. It's a lifetime, lifelong process. Do you know what? We all mess up with it as well. So don't think that you kind of, you know, you, you keep leveling up, like you're playing some kind of video game. You leveled up and, well, I'm a level 30. What level are you, Dave? Oh, you're a Oh, I've got a bit of work to do yet to catch you up. Oh, Ivy, you're a level 37. Well, crikey, I don't know if I'm ever going to get there. Oh, what a rubbish day. Have I, have, I, have I gone down a level? That's not the case. It's not this kind of ranking system with Jesus. He just wants us to be more like him on a daily basis. And so we, we can all do things that are wrong, and that's why the Bible tells us that it's our job to go to God, to confess what we've done wrong. And the wonderful words in, in, in 1 John say this, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and to continue that transformation work that's what happens our words are really really powerful and simon um was kind of reading these words in in his bit the the liturgy that he brought earlier from james and i'm going to finish with these these just encourage us to use our words in great ways and it says in james 5 Are there any believers in your fellowship suffering great hardship and distress? 
encourage them to pray that's using their words are there happy cheerful ones among you encourage them to sing out their praises that's what Dave was doing at the start this morning it's what Simon was doing during worship and so I'm going to encourage you to do in a minute when we when we're going to we're going to do some more sung worship and when we do that really I encourage you to sing out your praises to God and I'm encouraging you because it says it in the Bible. And if it says it in the Bible, you've got to do it. It says this, are there any sick people among you? Then ask one of the leaders of the church or the elders of the church to come over and to pray over the sick and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayers of faith will heal the sick and the Lord will raise them up. And if they have committed sins, they will be forgiven. Come, confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another and then pray for one another to be instantly healed for tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. Here we are encouraged with loads of ways to respond in loads of circumstances and to use our words positively. The complete opposite of what we read earlier in James. There's no strife. There's no conflict. There's love. There's acceptance. There's encouragement. So, as I promised. Those words we started with. Teach us a new language when we are gathered. When we are scattered. When we go out into the world. Let our language breathe heaven into the lives of those we meet. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that, that your word is really clear to us about how we use our words, how we use our language. Um, and that, Father, that, that always stems from the condition of our hearts. And so, Father, I want to pray for every one of us that as we've been here this morning in your presence, and although we haven't finished, but Father, that, that this time spent in your presence, this time spent hearing from what your word tells us, that it would begin and continue this transformation work amongst us. That each one of us would think about the influences that we have and that if we have any bad influences in our lives, that we would cut them out and that we would only be influenced by good and godly things. Father, that that would then change the condition of our heart so that we would uh, be able to speak out words of life, words of hope, words of affirmation uh, to the people that we meet on a daily basis, that we would be Jesus to them, that we wouldn't be like uh, those, those Pharisees and, and religious people in the story Jesus told where when they saw someone in need, they crossed over to the other side and walked on by. Help us not to be like those people. Help us to be people who get in the middle of a situation and say the right thing and do the right thing because our worship affects every part of our lives. Help us this week, Lord God, to, uh, to bring you into every situation that we face. Every, everything that we're, we're scheduled to do, whether it might not be some big situation, but it might be just our everyday lives at work, at home, at school. Father, we pray that you, we would be bringing you into all of those things. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come and fill us afresh today. 
because it's only by your power and your strength that we can even hope to do any of those things. Father, we thank you that that you want to be in every part of our lives. And I pray that you would that we would open ourselves up to to allow you to come into all of them. Thank you that you're a gentleman and you don't bully your way in and force your way in, but you're waiting for us to say, Lord, come and have your way. Let's just spend just a moment in quiet as we just consider how we can invite God into every part of our lives this week. Amen. Great. Thanks, Rich. That's really good. I was torn. There's so many proverbs that talk about.